0: Okay. Once again, good morning everyone. Uh, for those who don't know me, uh, my name is uh, Frank. Uh, I've been I, I serve as the youth pastor for this church. Uh, I think I've done it for like two years now. Yeah, going into my third year. And I'm actually a son of this church okay. grew up, went to the CN with me in your Bibles to Romans chapter ten. And I've been a part of this for the last I don't know, 2000, since 2003, uh, so um, I am privileged to be here uh, and to speak to you guys, I'm a little nervous, uh, but I uh, pr- hope you guys bear with me today. Uh, at this time, we're going to confess what we believe, so if I can have uh, everyone stand. Once again, Romans chapter 10, verse 11 through 15. For the Scriptures say, Everyone who believes in him will not be put to shame. For there is no distinction between Jew and Greek, for the same Lord is Lord of all, bestowing his riches on all who call on him. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. How then will they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how are they to believe in him of whom they have never heard? And how are they to hear without someone preaching? And how are they to preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the good news. Uh, Let me just pray for us before I begin this message. Oh, Father in heaven, um, Lord, I am inadequate to expound on your word, but I know that you have called me to do so. And so I pray that um, your spirit will lead me and guide me um, to speak with conviction and with truth about your holy word and what this gospel is and why we go out into nations, why we go out into communities and neighborhoods and share this message, Lord. I pray that you will be exalted in this, Lord, and that in the, in, during this message, Lord, I'll just decrease and go into the background, Lord, and you come into the foreground. Lord, pray for this in your son's name. Amen. All right. Um, oh, sorry. Okay. Um, so, this is my second time preaching to you guys. I'm uh, excited. I see a lot of new faces. Uh, like I said, my name is Frank, um, I am the youth pastor at. I youth the youth Chondosan name for the youth group. And um, if you know me, um, or if you get to know me, one of my biggest passions is missions. All right? um, if you talk to a lot of people in this church, I'm probably one of its biggest advocates. All right? um, and because today is our uh, missions uh, commissioning service, right, I thought it was going to be appropriate to have a message about missions, right? I thought about doing like a rah-rah, like get your blood flowing, you know, let's get out there and do something amazing for God, right? I wanted to tell you stories about what God is doing in Africa or maybe in Myanmar or maybe in the Middle East. Um, but as I thought about what I wanted to share with our congregation today, what was the most important thing about missions that I want to share, um, right? It's that I want to get at the heart of missions, right? Like, why do we go, right? What is the driving force behind mission work? And in our passage, I think Paul lays it out very clearly, that our heart to missions, our heart for missions, right, to evangelize, to spread this gospel, is a response to a person's acceptance of the gospel, right? In Romans 10, 11, and 13, right, what are the specific aspects of the good news that Paul talks about? Right? It's that those who believe in Jesus will not be put to shame and they and they will be saved. Right? It's interesting. It's interesting that Paul says those are the gospel benefits. Right? That believing in Jesus, that there's no shame. Right? We understand the salvation part. Oh, there's salvation. I mean, that's like if there is a top three gospel benefits, right, for all Christians, it is Um, Salvation, right? Forgiveness of sins, right? And God giving you justification, God giving you righteousness. But in Romans chapter ten verse eleven, he says the good news is that he does not think of you as shameful. And I think that's a very important issue that the gospel solves. I mean, the term and the concept of shame. Is benign compared to some of the other theological categories, right? Like unrighteousness or or guilt, right? But when you take a step back and think about shame, it's actually a, a quiet killer, right? A quiet killer. It's one of the most pervasive problems in all of human history. I mean, the Bible even states that it was there at the beginning, right, of creation. That when Adam and Eve sinned, Right? One of the first things that they realized was they were naked and that they were ashamed. And because of it, they hid from God. And that is something that all humans have had to dealt, uh, deal with throughout history. Right? And so in order to understand this, this problem, then shame, right? we have to know what it is. And so what is shame? There's a guy named uh, Eric Welch, and he is a... Um, a counselor in CCEF, Christian Counseling Education Foundation, um, and you know he has like a PhD, MDiv, and like counseling and neu- neuropsych uh, psych- psychology, I think. And this is the way he he um, defines sin. Usually, it's associated with guilt. Guilt and guilt and shame go together. But what most a lot of people do not realize is that there are distinctions between guilt and shame. And guilt is the awareness of of failure against the standard. So usually we're talking about a violation against some type of law or cultural expectation. In the Christian uh, mindset, it is usually a violation of God's law. Right? We have violated God, and therefore we are guilty of that. Um, shame, on the other hand, is much more relational and community-oriented. Right? It is a sense of failure before the eyes of someone else whether it's your own eyes or whether it's someone else's eyes, it's a deep sense that you are unacceptable because of something you did, something done to you, or something associated with you. And with shame, there is a very public nature to it because shame has that feeling of being left exposed and even possibly humiliated. Whereas guilt, guilt you can hide. Right? Guilt, you can hide. Someone, if you feel guilty, you can hide it. But with shame, it feels like you are always out in the open and there are eyes peering through you. Or in other words, and this is the more harsh way that Eric Welch puts it, you are disgraced because you acted less than human. You were treated as if you were less than human or you were associated with something that, that is less than human and there are witnesses, right? This is shame, right? And really, how pervasive is it really? Right? That's another question. How pervasive is it really? Right? I think it's all around us. Right? I think in the Asian community, we don't have a problem with that because most Asian communities are communities that are shame oriented. right? Like in the Korean culture, you have um, the saying, if you play with fire, right, you will pee your pants. Okay? You play with fire, you will pee your pants. And what is that meant for? That's meant for children so that they won't play with fire. And, what is, and, and what's the stick that, that the parent is using? Shame, because no kid, they understand that if you pee your pants, right? oh, that means you're a baby. You're not a, you're not, you're not a five-year-old. You're like a two-year-old. You can't even control your own um, bladder. Right? And so it's a shame mechanism so that a kid will not play with fire. Right? It's all around us. Right? It's the kid who comes home with A- minus grades and is scared to come home because they're ashamed that their parents will look on them with disappointment because A- is not good enough for them. Right? It's the person who struggles with their body image because they're ashamed of theirs. I look at mine, and I got a gut coming out now, starting to a little bit, right? And I, and I look at all the other, my other friends, and they're all, like, ripped. I'm like, oh, man, it's kind of shameful. I should not be this, this unathletic and this out of shape, right? To them, their body is disgusting and worthless. And we've all heard this one before. It's all those stories of girls who have a deep sense of shame about themselves because they were sexually violated by some nasty man, right? And because of it, right, it sticks on them. And so when they meet other men, they get scared, right? They don't want to have relationships with other men, right? Or they'll, this story is told over and over and over again, right? Or they'll sell themselves to the sex industry or get into abusive relationships, because they feel it, that there is some type of flaw on them now, that they're not good enough for something, and they play into it. So shame is knowing that there is something deeply flawed about yourself, whether it's in your inability to to do something, or you're flawed because someone else has violated you. And it's that shame it's not just a feeling, right? For, for the person who is sexually violent, it's not just, there is something done to that person and it's a reality that sets upon them and it tells them, you are worthless, disgusting and it drives you into the ground, into destruction. Let me put it in, in, in a different way. Shame is the parent who raises their child to the best of their ability. They are loving and kind parents, but their child is a handful. Their child never listens. Right? Even when, out of disciplining and love and, and showing them care, still acting out. The child is the one causing all the trouble at school. The child is the one being the bad influence on, the, on all the other kids. Right, and that child is the one throwing tantrums in the grocery store, telling you, "Mommy, I want that piece of candy. Why can't I have it now?" And he goes on the ground and he just stomps and kicks and yells, and everyone's looking at you. And that parent, right, feeling the shame that people are judging them, thinking, "Oh, just maybe, what's wrong with that mom and dad? Right, why can't they keep control of their kid?" They must be bad parents, right? And though they may not admit it outright, inside they're ashamed of their child. Why is my child like this? Why? Right? Ashamed that, yes, that quite possibly, is it because of their parenting skills that they're terrible? That my kid didn't turn out right? Right? subpar parents subpar human parents who cannot control their child subpar humans for that fact right and shame by the fact that other parents may outcast them from the sacred club of parenting right because of their problem child and what makes matters worse knowing that they have these feelings wait i should not think i should not be ashamed of my child but i am no parent sh- wait 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 a minute no parent should should ever think of that of their child yet i still am is there something wrong with me there's something deeply disgusting about me and so out of this shame and out of this need to get out from this shamefulness right we look to other things And so the father may look to his work and work that much harder to compensate the shame that he feels. And so he's never home, right? Never around to really play with the kid, right? Because every time he tries to be a parent, he just feels like a failure. Or it's the father who acts severely towards the child, unleashing all his frustrations onto that child, rendering that child feeling utterly worthless to his parents. And so now the child is ashamed. Ashamed that, oh, maybe I really am disgusting to my parents. Feeling that he is unclean. And maybe he sees his parents loving his sibling more. And he really sees, oh, I get it. I'm the dog child of the family. That's what I am. This is my shame. And he holds it. And so now now the problem no longer is is his rambunctiousness. No. It's become something so much worse. So much worse. Now that child becomes like a cockroach who scurries into hiding, once exposed to light by hiding his pain behind the distraction of video games, movies, other forms of entertainment, maybe even porn, who knows? Any other entertainment that he can get his hands on to take the edge off, to take the edge off of his shame. Deeply, utterly broken. See, shame is not benign. Shame is, it is pervasive and evil. And it knocks on you, on your conscience, on your heart, telling you, you are worthless. That's all you are going to ever amount to. And before everyone else in front of the eyes, if you were to ever even just show a little glimpse of that, you know what people will do? They will turn their backs on you and you will just be an outcast. It's pervasive, it's destructive, and it's stubborn. It's hard to shake. And I want to show you another picture of its toll. There's a TV show called Breaking Bad. If you guys know me, I love pop culture. um, I love pop culture because I think it measures the pulse of what the majority of people resonate with. And in this uh, clip, uh, there's a character named Jesse Pinkman, and he is a meth cook. Right? Uh, and he's, he, he makes meth and gets distributed um, to other people. And in the story, basically, he ends up killing someone. And because of this deep sense of guilt and shame, he ends up going to an AA meeting, an AA type of meeting, And he begins to discuss his dealings in very vague terms by using the analogy of killing a dog. Okay, and this is what happens. Anything you want to talk about? Um... A couple weeks back I, uh killed a dog. You hit it with your car? No, um, I put him down. I watched him go. I was looking at him straight in the eye. And you know, he didn't know what was happening. He didn't know why. He, he was just... Scared and then he was gone. He was suffering. It was a kindness. No, he wasn't sick. He was just like a. I don't know, like a problem dog. What'd he do? Bite someone? No, this dog never... never bit anybody. You pick up the rock, you go right to the dark side. Anything can happen. There ain't no rock that made me do it. Well, what was the problem? Why'd you have to kill him? Watch the crosstalk, please. Maybe it's not the details that matter, right? How do you feel about what you did, Jesse? I don't know. Who cares how you feel? What kind of a person kills a dog for no reason? Colleen. You put an ad in the paper. You drop him off at Colleen. a shoulder, You don't just sit there and talk about killing a helpless, innocent Colleen. animal. We're not right here to sit in judgment. Why not? Why not? Maybe, maybe she's right. You know, maybe I should have put it in the paper. Maybe I, I should have done something different. The thing is, if you just do stuff and nothing happens, what's it all mean? What's the point? All oh, right, this this whole thing is about self-acceptance. Kicking the hell out of yourself doesn't give meaning to anything. So I should stop judging and accept to start so no matter what I do hooray for me because I'm a great guy it's all good no matter how many dogs I kill I just or do an inventory and accept I mean you back your truck over your own kid and you like accept what a low crap hey jesse i know you're in pain you know what why i'm here in the first place is to sell you meth you're nothing to me but customers i made you my bitch you okay with that huh You accept... No. About time. Sorry about the last part. I should have warned you guys that there's a cuss word. But anyways, um, it's a very explosive scene. A very powerful scene. Because for this guy, right, I mean, he killed a man, right? But he can't actually quite say it, right? Because he knows what's going to happen. And so he uses this, it's not even a euphemism, but he uses this dog analogy, And everyone around, and he's been to, if you watch the series, you you know that he's been to these AA meetings before, and they've been trying to teach him. It's okay. It's okay. Just accept yourself. Self-acceptance, self-acceptance, self-acceptance. But inside, he can't accept himself because he knows that he is, I mean, if you were to think objectively here, I mean, he's a murderer and a a or meth addict, and he sells drugs, like, Gosh, he is a dog. He is the cockroach of life. He, that's what he is. And he knows it. That, that he is just worthless and dirty. In the way that, and this is, this is the way our world tries to solve it by wishing it away. Just accept yourself. You are not so bad. You are not so bad. And that's why he lashes out. He says, really? Really? I'm not so bad? I came here to sell you meth. You accept that. And, you know, the guy has, has nothing to reply with. Because it is more than a feeling. Shame is much more than just a feeling. It is a reality that we all live with. And we are unable to just think it away, wish it away. Oh, just accept yourself. I'm a good person. I'm a good person. Especially when your mind tells you otherwise. It is hard. It's darn near impossible. I mean, when I think about it, It's kind of an insult. It's an insult that this is the this is the solution, because it's see it's so superficial and cheap. Just wish it away. Think happy thoughts. And what's worse is that, you know, they're telling him self acceptance. You must accept yourself. But shame is not about just accepting ourselves. Shame, in all accounts. Is in relation to other people, so it cannot be just found on oneself. The solution fo- is found in the opinion of someone else. It's the in- opinion of someone else, right? It requires the acceptance of someone whose opinion supremely matters. And as believers, what we share is that the God, our Father, has an opinion of us. And he did it through his son, Jesus, that though we are, so to speak, dogs and cockroaches and worthless, he says, I see all of that. I understand. It's still there. But in uh, in spite of that, I would still love you. We have that in his son, Jesus, the son of God, who hung out, and the Gospels talk about this all the time. He hung out with lepers. I mean, you understand that lepers are a people of shame. I mean, they're the total outcasts. Right? They are the ones that have to go out on the road and say, so that other people won't come by and other people won't get, get uh become unclean either. Unclean, 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 unclean. And yet, this is who the Son of God hangs out with, who touches. It's the Son of God who eats with tax collectors. Guys who rip off their own people. That's what they were, right? They were the Jews who would collect taxes for the Romans and the Jews hated the Romans. And so they were the Benedict Arnold's. I mean, that is totally shameful, right? Betrayers. And yet, this is the guy that Jesus would hang out with, would eat with. The Son of God is the guy who hangs out with adulterers, the woman at the well, right? And does accept her for who she is, right? Jesus is the king who even accepts a robber at his death, right? On the cross, he's about to die, and the robber goes, well, can I be with you in paradise? He says, yeah, you're going to be with me. He is the king who exposes us for what we are, exposes our shame, I mean, just bears it all back. All your nerves are exposed, and you want to run away because all your flaws are out there in the open. And yet, instead of shaking his head in disappointment, he would embrace us. He would embrace you. And like I said, and the thing is, Jesus takes it even further. It's not just only that he accepts you, but he identifies with you. He identifies with you. And that he will go to the cross. And now the cross, the cross wasn't just some form of capital punishment. It was the form of capital punishment in the Roman era. It was the most shameful way for punishment. Have you guys heard of like stocks and pillories back in the olden days, right? The thing where um, if you did something wrong, the city or the town would, would... would put shackles these wooden blocks on your feet, and you'd have to stand there, and then people would come out and throw vegetables at them and be like, "Ah, look at this person he's a, he's a robber and, you know and, and shame them, right? And then the pillory was the one where you do your head like this, and you can't even block the the vegetables anymore, right I mean I mean that was the way that that um, like old time like New England um, towns would would shame people and, and, and mete out punishment. In the Roman time, it was the cross. Because the cross left you up hanging on a, on a stinking piece of wood. So that people will mock you and say, look at that guy. He's worthless. Hurry up and die. So Jesus is not just the one who just accepts you, but he's the one that goes on a cross and becomes shame for you. And he identifies with you and says, I do understand because I have been there. And not only does he identify with you, he does it so that you would identify with him. That you would identify with him. And this is the really good news part, right? Is that shame doesn't keep him down. He conquers it. And we know in, in, the, in, in our gospel that he rises again and lives. Right, And the way that the gospel is portrayed and the way that they, uh, Paul talks about it is that he goes into glory and honor. And so as he identifies with you, he bestows his identity to you by saying that you are honored. Right? That's the way to solve shame, right? It's to know that you are supremely honored and glorified. And he says, I bestow that to you. To you, that you will reign with me. That you will become sons and daughters of the kingdom with me. That he would bestow upon you. and And this is the wording that Paul loves to you. That he will clothe you with righteousness. That within your nakedness, he will put on a robe on you clothe you in beauty. And now your humanity is restored, no longer a cockroach, but a glorified human being. This is the message of the good news. Where there once was shame, there is no longer, because God has taken that shame upon himself and given you riches, and glory, and honor, and has turned his face towards you. So that someone can say something like this. This is for John Newton. I am not what I ought to be, right? I don't measure up. I'm not what I want to be, right? I don't think I'll ever make it. I'm kind of worthless. I am not what I hope to be in another world. But still... I am not what I once used to be. And by the grace of God, I am what I am. Not self-acceptance. Self-acceptance that comes from the acceptance of God's grace. And John Newton's okay in it. That really is good news. Isn't that worth sharing to someone else? to someone to tell someone look look what Jesus has done for me and it's out of that heart that Paul says in verse 14 and 15 all right let me repeat it again how then will they call on him in whom they have not believed and how are they to believe in him of whom they have never heard and how are they to hear without someone preaching and how are they to preach unless they are sent as it is written how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the good news. There are people, and what is he saying? There are people who don't know this message, this message of hope. And the only way this message is going to get spread is if someone actually says it. Says it, goes out and says it. And he says, how is he going to do it? Right? You need people who go. right? And then he culminates right, in this question form. And he says, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the good news, because it is a beautiful message. Right? A message of hope against shame. Now we have a brother here who is going to go to East Asia You know, in August. Right? He wants to be a missionary. They need this message. The people in East Asia need this message because it is a nation, like China is a nation of just shame, right? I have a professor who goes there um, every year, right, to do like a psychology clinic. And he says the one thing that he came away with, the impression was that people are depressed, a lot of people are depressed and suicidal in China because there is this utter sense of worthlessness. But we know that in truth that that is not the case anymore because of what Jesus has done. But they need to hear it. And David is going. How beautiful is that? We We are going to bishop. We have like 104 people going to bishop. And it's the same thing. I know Pastor Seuss has talked about it. I know Joe mentioned it a little bit, right? The brokenness that is apparent in bishop. There's a lot of shame there too. Kids who who have abandonment issues their parents up and left them right left alone feeling that was it because of me was it because of me that they left did i do something wrong i must be worthless or having a whole people group being depressed knowing that we are a bunch of alcoholics we don't even know how to have families we can't even run a community properly. So like, man, compared to some of the other people groups, we really do suck. So this message, we're going, 104 people going to spread this beautiful gospel. So let me ask, are these people not beautiful? Is this not Something so worthy to do. Right? In church, not all of us are going, but the very fact that we are participating in this, whether it's in prayer, whether it's you giving your money, right, whether it's in encouragement, church, I want you to know that what we are doing, what you are doing, is utterly 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 beautiful before god though we are weak though we may not have much to offer right though we in one sense yes worthless and yet he finds you utterly utterly beautiful let's pray Father in heaven, I, I thank you. I thank you that you did not give us cheap grace. That in our feelings of despair and, and, and in our low self-worth, in our feelings of being unclean and being an outcast and a reject, oh Lord that you didn't more than just tell us a word and say, I love you. No, but you demonstrated it by going on to the cross and being shamed for us so that we would really know that you really do accept us and you would bestow upon us grace and mercy and honor and glory apart from what we do, apart from what people have done on us thank you. I thank you, Jesus, that you show us so much grace and mercy. Lord, I pray that for our congregation, that out of this, a deep joy would overflow, right? that it would cause us to move and want to share this message, Lord, not just to Bishop, not just to to China, Lord, but to even, even in San Jose, even to our neighbors who need this message of hope. And Lord, I pray that we will not be burdened to think that we have to go and evangelize and do something. Lord. But that like you said in Romans ten fifteen, all it is is preaching. That means all it is is, is saying a word to people describing, God, what you've done in our lives. Simple, Lord, I pray may we not be burdened and may we be freed, Lord, to share the graciousness that you have bestowed upon us, Lord. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.